Shapers on Jazz FM. Listen in color. In partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. That was Robert Glasper and R. Yeah. Good morning. This is me, Elliot Moss, on Jazz FM with another fantastic edition of Jazz Shapers. The place, of course, where you can hear the very best of the people shaping the world of jazz, soul and blues, alongside their equivalents in the world of business. My business shaper today is none other than Thomasina Myers. She is the chef turned businesswoman who has been the founder of Oaxaca and some other things and is also, of course, a writer and does lots of other things on top of that as well. You'll be hearing many a word from Thomasina very shortly. And in addition to hearing from her, you will also be hearing from our programme partners at Mishkondorea. Some words of advice for your business. And on top of all of that, if that isn't enough for you today, you will be hearing some great music from the Shapers of Jazz, Soul and Blues, including Stacey Kent, Louis Armstrong and this from Sarah Vaughan, It's Fever, here on Jazz FM. Never know how much I love you Never know how much I care When you put your arms around me I get fever that's so hard to bear You give me fever When you kiss me fever When you hold me tight Fever in the morning Fever That was Fever from Sarah Vaughan. My business shaper today here on Jazz Shapers is, as I build earlier, Thomasina Myers. She is the founder of Oaxaca, the fantastic and authentic, dare I say, Mexican restaurant, which is quite a feat because Mexican food is not easy to prepare, um, though it is lovely to eat, I'll quickly add. Um, as well as being, if you are a follower of MasterChef, a winner of MasterChef in the not-too-distant past. Thomasina, thank you very much for joining me this morning. Good morning. Now, tell me, you have had an interesting relationship with food in your life. I hear and I understand. Tell me how that changed over the years and, and what led you to eventually loving cooking and then deciding to set your own restaurant chain up. Well, I've always cooked. So I guess I've always loved food, always hung out with my mother in the kitchen. I thought playing, I, I, I was given dolls, but quite frankly, they stayed in the toy box. Just wasn't really interested in them. Um, occasionally, actually, my uh, Cindy would kiss my brother's army doll, but that's another thing. I won't go into that. Um, no, so I've always cooked, always loved it, but um, I guess the school I went to didn't really think that cooking was much of a career for their girls. Uh, and so I worked in business and uh, I worked in marketing, advertising, lots and lots of different careers, actually, before I ran into Clarissa Dixon Wright, who said, you're off your rocker. If you love cooking, you love food, you should be working in it. You should, you should always do what you, um, what you love. You should do your passion. So she really changed the direction of my life. And how old were you at that point? I was about 26 after uh, a string of failed jobs from, you know, from leaving yes. school. Because you did a proper degree in everything, didn't you? I mean, you got a degree, I believe, in modern languages and economics. That I sounds did. very serious. Yeah, I did a proper degree. I don't think I did it properly, however. <laughs> so, um, no, I think I was a bit of a lost soul. 
soul in my early 20s and I think actually finding out what you want to do for young people is probably the hardest thing you know it's those people at school who go I want to be a doctor go straight to medical school and come out you know have a flourishing career they're few and far between actually I think finding your your passion or what you want to do is, is pretty tough and you say it's tough and it is tough for a lot of people and and you say there was a seminal moment though it sounds like you kind of knew that those serious and proper jobs weren't going to be for you very quickly I mean they were a string of them when you pulled the plug or the plug was pulled on you was there a sense of I really am lost or was there a sense of I know I'm gonna find my way eventually I think I knew I knew from very early on that I wanted to really do something full pelt you know I was definitely not faint-hearted about life um so when I did do things I did them kind of with with every every gun blazing as it were um but it was that thing of of thinking I just haven't found I just haven't found it and then eventually well maybe maybe I just maybe I'm just not meant you know I I mean I literally by the end of it I was just thinking what what can I try next because I felt I tried quite a lot of things I mean I was working in the dot-com industry doing internet strategy at the height of the dot-com boom and I was bored silly in the middle of Soho you know I should have been having a ball so I did at that stage think is there something wrong with me and let's find out where there definitely wasn't something wrong with you but in fact you were just waiting for the right thing to come and then it was going to grab you stay with me here on Jazz Shapers for more from the founder of Oaxaca Thomasina Myers time for some music this is Quincy Jones and Sol Bossa Nova a bit of a Brazilian flavour now of course we have the World Cup match tonight between Italy and England I hope that England win That was Quincy Jones and Soul Bossa Nova. Tommy Myers is my business shaper, founder of Oaxaca, as I mentioned, prolific writer on, on cookery, but not someone who literally found her way within the first couple of weeks, having graduated from her proper degree. You talked about that seminal moment and the advice that you received. How did that then segue into deciding that you were going to become the chef? Because a chef, you know, one it's one thing having the, the OK, that's what I'm going to do. It's another thing converting that into a real plan. So Clarissa was was someone I really listened to because she obviously was at the time she was the youngest woman to the bar. Uh, she'd become a very successful barrister and she'd given it all up for food. And I used to watch her programs on television and love them. Uh, and so when she said, "Look, you're mad. You must do what you're mad about," uh, I really listened to her. And she phoned up a very famous cookery school on the island called Ballymaloo got me onto the waiting list um, and then as luck would have it someone dropped out at the last minute and I got onto that course so I was in Ireland living in Ireland within a few months of meeting Clarissa and once I got to Ireland that cookery school which really teach a whole approach to school I think uh, to cooking and to food someone t- um, like someone quoted the other day that I read which was really interesting to me eating is an act of agriculture so so Ballymaloo really espouses that thing of you know where do your ingredients come from how are they growing how does what you eat affect the planet um you know it's all linked um down to the producers and you go out and pick mussels or you see seaweed you make your own bread it's it's a really wonderful thing and and once i was there i just knew that i was you know having searched 
for quite a long time by this stage I was absolutely in the right industry what I was going to do in that industry was still to be discovered and that you know was another three or four years of hunting working in London working in food shops making cheese in in western Cork Um, uh, I I had a a food stall I made sourdough bread for a bit Um, I went and lived in Mexico opened up a cocktail bar so I did lots of things to try and work out what my my thing was going to be and and let's face it life's a journey anyway so I'm on my bit of my journey now but who knows what I'm going to be doing in the next five years but it sounds like it, it um the Anita Roddick approach to I want to know what goes into the stuff that I make and that sense of connection as you said the the espousing the values of agri- you are you know you are the agriculture around you and so on and so forth that's a quite a deep-seated philosophical view that may not have translated into anything practical because what you feel with your you know your heart and your head isn't the same as the the, the ability to then deliver things with your hands you were obviously lucky in that you were talented in in that other area which is actually making things when did you realize that you were actually pretty good at that as well as believing that the ingredients were important so i i literally cooked from the age of six so i was always cooking for my friends at school um my parents you know weren't loaded so I used to make pocket money um, by cooking for people's it's dinner parties it's a shame parties. they weren't loaded isn't it <laughs> yeah, would have yeah, been yeah. easier yeah, yeah, I mean it would have been a lot easier for all of us yeah but you know then you wouldn't go on and strive for what you have to do if, you, if you're not you know pushed you and so I, I, I was earning money from pretty early on cooking um, at university I used to cook for people the whole time I love a full table um, even today in my kitchen at home I mean my whole house was built around the kitchen um, my idea of, of heaven is to have a, a table full of people eating food that I've prepared with or without friends um, helping me uh, so um, I think I think I had always cooked it was always completely instinctive and just something I did it wasn't until MasterChef when these guys said you know we think you can cook you know why aren't you a chef I'd never actually considered being a chef before so it wasn't until after MasterChef that I went and actually worked in a kitchen with Sky Ginjal at Petersham Nurseries Stay with me for lots more about how this particular story unfolds. It's Thomasina Myers, my business shaper today. Latest travel in a couple of minutes. But before that, some words of advice, as I promised, for your business from our programme partners at Mishkon Durea. Hi, my name is Andrew Goldstone and I'm a partner in the tax group at Mishkon Durea. I see all kinds of entrepreneurs and I get asked all kinds of questions. And one of those questions is, what is the difference between tax evasion, tax avoidance and legitimate tax planning? Well, there are legal niceties involved, but basically, forget about tax evasion. You will go to prison if you're caught. Tax avoidance, very different thing, something that the government thinks is morally reprehensible. Well, some people take a different view, but I think the point is now is not the time to be engaging in aggressive tax avoidance schemes. They may not be illegal, but they are unlikely to work, and you'll end up paying very big fees, and you'll probably be turned over by the revenue, And that's the last thing you want if you've got any sort of public profile or indeed any tax skeletons in the cupboard. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. You're listening to Jazz Shapers with me, Elliot Moss, every Saturday morning, 9 o'clock till 10 o'clock. You can catch me talking to some phenomenal and inspirational people who are shaping the world of business around us. If you've missed any shows, iTunes is your place. Or if you aren't able to listen regularly to the radio in whatever form, then go to cityam.com. You'll find lots of interesting shows there as well. 
Thomasina Myers is my business shaper today. She's been talking to us about the heart and the head and about a belief that food should come from really proper places and you should be thinking about the impact it has not just on your mouth and your tummy, but also on the environment around you. All good stuff. You said it, you talked about MasterChef, and it's very rare that I have. I have had a few sort of either personalities that have popped up on television or, or people that have uh, had a moment and, and so on, but they aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily go on to do fantastic things in business. You took your experience from MasterChef and you said you're going to be a chef and you worked in another, you didn't work for yourself immediately, did you? No, 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 no. Quite important to get a tiny bit of experience in someone else's kitchen. All those six months wasn't probably enough with hindsight if you'd planned it. <laughs> but you didn't. Didn't plan anything. Now, how did it from the I didn't plan anything go into the semi, it's not really a plan, but I'm going to open a restaurant and I'm going to call it Oaxaca and it's going to be Mexican food. Where does that little, how did that trail of crumbs Happen. So that started from way back on my gap year, age 18, I stumbled upon Mexico. I'd studied Spanish at uni- uh, school um, and then went on to study at university. But on my gap year after school, um, I had been working as a VAT consultant and... And fell asleep. And, and, and fell asleep. And they, they gave me a bursary at the end. And with that, I went off traveling. And I discovered Mexico, which was the most incredible country to stumble on my first time outside Europe. And it really was alive with color and, and smell and senses. And and this is a country, Mexico is a country that is full of people who are obsessed by food. Mm. It has the same equivalent food culture as Italy. Uh, the recipes change from state to state. Uh, it's incredibly regional, the food. Um, the ingredients are amazing. It's one. Of, it's in the top six countries in terms of biodiversity. So the ingredients at the markets are completely stupendous. Avocados the size of you know, a tiny baby's fist with a skin that you can eat and avocados that are the size of you know, a small football. So really the, the variety of ingredients, over 200 varieties of chicken, chilies, lots of types of corn, incredible tropical fruit. It was just, it, it blew me away. The food blew me away. I came back to London thinking, this food is nothing like the food I thought was Mexican. You know, Tex-Mex was what I thought was Mexican. I thought, now I know what Mexican food is. I can eat it and I'm going to eat it all over you know, London. And I discovered there was no Mexican food to be found anywhere. I said, and I, it, it really struck me then, you know, this is extraordinary. This is a whole secret. This is a whole country, whole massive country full of food and no one knows about it. So it really intrigued me. And I thought, well, I'm just going to sit back and wait for someone to do something because clearly they will. That was, um, that was kind of, that was 10 years of waiting. Uh, and then, and then after 10 years, I, by this stage had, um, worked in food. I'd gone to my cookery school. I'd been working in a food shop called Villandry in London. And I thought I've got to do something else. And I quite wanted to go to Catalonia because I loved the food of Barcelona and tapas. The revolution going over there was really exciting, but I didn't know anyone couldn't find a job. I did know some people opening up a cocktail bar in Mexico city. So that was an excuse to go back to this country that had so intrigued me and, work out if the food was as sensational as I remembered it. So I went out to Mexico City within about four days of getting the call up. I think I spent one morning working for the River Cafe before I got the call up. So I was the shortest employee there, I think, and um, shortest serving. And then I and off I went and I lived in Mexico for almost a year. I travelled around. I, I cooked in markets. I cooked with chefs. I learned as much about the food as possible. I became totally hooked. It was after that that I did MasterChef. Then I worked in a, in a, in a restaurant and after that my business partner approached me we had a mutual friend at university and he started talking about food uh, and funny enough by that stage I'd been back in England for a year and again still no Mexican food so it becomes you know, a, f- a faded memory very quickly if you, you're not eating food it's very easy to forget the vibrancy of it um, so I'd already 
started forgetting it. I was back in the whole discovery of English food and Jane Griggs and Elizabeth David, Master Chef got me on a whole discovery thing, working with Sky Ginjal, amazing food there. So I was on all these kind of journeys, but suddenly this 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 guy pops up from nowhere and starts talking to me. And suddenly Mexican becomes back in the forefront and we go off on this foodie trip around Mexico to all my favourite places that I loved when I was out there. And suddenly we're like, we should do this. Why can't we have these at home? So you got back? Got back. Um, we started looking for sites. I started working on the menu. I had a menu in my head. I think I had a, I had a, mem- a menu in my head for quite a long time, but it was it was the way that life fits together. You know, these jigsaw pieces just started falling into place slowly and... Um, worked on my menu and we found a huge site in Covent Garden uh, and with very little experience but a lot of passion and um, I guess a fair amount of guts um, or craziness we opened our doors Find out what happened after uh, um, Tommy opened the first doors of Oaxaca in Covent Garden. Time for some music It's Fat Swallow and your feet's too big Who's that walking around here? Mercy Baby patter. Baby elephant patter, that's what I call it. That was Fat Swallow and Your Feet's Too Big. Tommy Myers is my business shaper, the founder of Oaxaca, which, as you would have just been hearing, has just opened in in our heads. So it's open, the doors are open, you found your site. Did you have anyone involved in the restaurant business with you? I mean, you're obviously, you're a foodie. You were a foodie back then in, what is it, 2007 yeah. that you opened the first place. Were there other people aiding you, investors and things like that, who had uh, b- business experience in the restaurant world? We were very lucky. So our investors, um, between them, owned Nando's, uh, which is still privately owned business. Um, it stayed in the family. They don't want to sell it. They never do. They win awards every year for how well they treat their staff. So really, um, my business partner and I had very little experience. My but my business partner was very strong in finance. He'd worked in the banking industry. He'd gone to work for Stelios, natural-born entrepreneur, very kind of hardworking, very driven. And together we just launched off on our own, essentially, but with this incredible kind of background of, of investors who really knew what they were talking about. And that combination of the foodie and the commercial person, I mean, the fact that the two of you, your, your partner, came together, um, was it conscious or was it just that was lucky? It was lucky. It was very lucky. But now when people ask me, you know, advice for for starting businesses, I always say, get a partner because, you know, especially with restaurants, the hours are long. It's it's really tough. Um, And you all and it's better to share the misery and the fun times with people. But also it's good if you can find someone to compliment your weaknesses, because no matter how good someone is at some things, they're always going to fall down on other things. And did you have to raise money? These investors, you said they came in board or on board or were they more? We'd love to help. This sounds fantastic. Uh, or was it a pitch? No, we had it. We had. So so my business partner approached me. Essentially, we had the money. Had the we money. were ready to go. Yeah. Now, things like and I'm, I mean, I've, I've eaten in Oaxaca on the South Bank in London and it was fantastic. And having lived in Mexico, I know it's uh, uh, authentic and the ingredients are important and you had all the, all the atmospherics were lovely. Things like the typeface that you've chosen, things like the seats, things that you've you actually look like you've thought about everything. Uh, whose attention to detail is that? Is that yours or is that someone else? Do you, do you find great people? Because to create a restaurant environment where people actually go, this is real and it works, is not easy. So I think our secret of our success if you can call it that is that we have always been completely passionate and 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 believe in what we're doing and i think that 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 passion drive and belief in what we're doing has really carried um the people who work with us 
through. And I think you are only as good as your team. And when we opened, we had very little experience, but we had absolute belief in what we're doing. And those early days, we lost, you know, three quarters of stone each, my business partner and I, in the first kind of six or seven weeks of opening. We were li- literally wow. barely sleeping. This is called the entrepreneur's diet. Yeah, basically. <laughs> and um, But, but you know, these guys stuck with us. They stuck through us through really tough times because they absolutely believed that we believed in what we're doing. And I think still to this day, you know, we do very, lots of different projects. We win sustainability awards. We do projects like the Pig Idea, which was last year, um, all involving food waste and pigs. And, you know, we do lots of things that we believe in that most restaurant groups don't necessarily get involved in because why would they it's a distraction from opening more restaurants making more money but in the same way people would have said that about the, the, the body shop oh, it's a distraction having all these campaigns and other things and look where that's gone globally yeah f- funnily enough Sam Roddick came and did a talk for me at a lunch I had um, the other day and she's a great girl she's Anita Roddick's daughter and you know the, the, the that very philosophy that Anita Roddick and her husband had is completely in tune with that Stay with me for uh, my final chat with Tommy today and we'll also be playing a track from Shaper of Jazz, Louis Armstrong. That's coming up after the latest traffic and travel here on Jazz FM. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal. We have all time in the world time enough for life to unfold all the precious things that was Louis Armstrong, and we have all the time in the world. Well, actually, we don't, because we've only got a few more minutes. Tommy Myers, for the last few minutes here on Jazz Shapers, we've talked about it tangentially a couple of times, the values that you bring to the business that you now own and now you're, that you're running. It strikes me that you are a very values-driven kind of person. You talked, you mentioned the pig idea. Um, I'd love to hear a little bit more about that very briefly. But going forward, uh, and within the answer you're going to give me about the pig idea, we're going forward, can you just capture for me why it's so important for you that you do good things in the way that you are doing? Well, I think that we all have a responsibility but I think when you are feeding we have 12 restaurants now and we feed 5,000 people a week on average in each site therefore we have um, a captive audience of people who um, who we can talk to about our philosophy we don't ram it down anyone's throats but through projects like the pig idea where we raised uh, eight pigs in Stepney City Farm uh, purely on a diet of permissible food waste to highlight the fact that we throw away 15 million tonnes of food waste on one hand and on the other hand no longer feed um, swill to pigs after the ban um, in 2001 um, after the outbreak of foot of mouth um, stuff like that um, you know we can have a real impact there our goal is to change European legislation and allow the swill industry back a, a safe regulated swill industry through Oaxaca through the voice that we have there we can make direct change um, and, and you know if we manage to change that law we'd make a massive impact um, on the rainforest of the Amazon where, um, where all sorts of grains are grown now to feed our endlessly growing desire to eat more meat globally. So it, it's really exciting that as a, as a chef and a business owner, we can, we can have some kind of impact there. And you still enjoy cooking? Do you get time to cook? I absolutely love cooking. So on my last maternity leave last year, I spent most of it cooking my latest book, Chili Notes, which was um, which is all about my passion for chilies. You know, I travel around the world eating. I love travelling. <laughs> um, so you know, someone's got to do it. 
Yeah, so whether it's Sichuan food, Thai food, Indian, Mexican, you know, basically there's a massive passion for chilies out there and I wanted to get to the bottom of it. So um, that was very great fun. And when are you at your most happiest? Is it when you're in the kitchen? Is it when you're writing about the times when you're in the kitchen? Is it when you're out in the field, literally? I'm thinking of you as some sort of intrepid adventurer in the, in the world of culinary delights. When is it you go, this is brilliant, or is it all of those things? So I love I love cooking and eating. I, essentially, that what really makes me tick: eating with friends, cooking for friends, discovering new recipes. Um, if there's travel in there too, that's great. Um, but essentially, it's the food that drives me. So the writing thing is just listen. This was great. I want to share it with you. Yeah, I love writing. It, it is great fun, and the sharing part is definitely part of it but um it's the food of doing it, that and, the eating, it. Yeah. Yeah. and just before i ask you about your your song choice if there was a legacy you could leave what would it be what is it going to be what are people going to go that's the woman that did x i think that we can eat if we can eat with our heads a little bit um and have fun while we're doing it then it would be a great thing i think food is about pleasure it's not about denial it's we should all enjoy eating but if we can just eat with a bit of care um and how it affects the planet then that's a great thing brilliant just before i let you go then what is your song choice and why have you chosen it so my father does a music festival in guiting power every summer which is great it's normally a mixture of jazz and uh classical uh, and there is a french band there who used to be called le collectif and they've got a new album out called summer number 607 um django reinhardt's nephew actually plays with them they're a bunch of young french guys who are just passionate about what they do and their music's fantastic um and they'll be playing this year Brilliant. And here's a track from that album, Selma 607. Thomasina Myers, thank you very much for being my business shaper today. Thank you. That was the choice of my business shaper today, Thomasina Myers, taken from the album called Selma 607, featuring Noé Reinhardt, the nephew of Django Reinhardt. Thomasina, what an intelligent woman, driven by her values and her passion for the most wonderful of things, food. Do join me again, same time, same place. That's next Saturday, 9am, here on Jazz FM for another edition of Jazz Shapers. In the meantime, though, stay with us. Coming up next, it's Nigel Williams. Jazz Shapers on Jazz FM, in partnership with Mishkondorea. It's business, but it's personal.